Yeah. So I had a couple weddings in the Martha Stewart. It was online. I had a wedding there and then I had a styled shoot. Hi, Vibers. Today, we're joined with a very special guest. Her company was featured on Martha Stewart Weddings, Washington Weddings, Engage Magazine, and many other prints and online publications. She has become known for customizing events and adding her distinguishing style. She was born in a small town in Pennsylvania and moved to upstate New York and has traveled to 30 states in the U.S. and 11 countries. <laughs> Please give a warm welcome to Margot Fisher. Hi, thank you so much. No problem. I, I had to say that whole bio because I'm so impressed with everything that you've told me in the conversations that we've had. And then, you know, my one-on-one -on -one questions that I sent out and I just was amazed by the things that you told me. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be such a good intro. Like I had to put in that you told me about the 30 states in 11 countries because I'm, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I wish that I've traveled that much. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't get to travel as much these days, but I love it. Have you slowed down since having kids? Is that why? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely kids and then the pandemic. We hadn't flown yeah. or gone anywhere from in until this past year. So my son went on his second flight ever in November for Thanksgiving. And his first flight was like three years before that. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I feel like, you know, COVID really put a damper on everyone's traveling. Even for myself, the last trip, actual like vacation, I'll say that I went on was, I think it was December, 2019. And then the pandemic hit and I just wasn't able to travel at all. And then I got on my first airplane this year. And well, I shouldn't say this year, it's January now. So in 2022, and I felt so just like discombobulated. Like, I'm like, do I even know how to travel anymore? Do I know how to fly anymore? And it wasn't, it wasn't for leisure. It was for work. So, I mean, it was still really fun, but I still haven't been on an actual like vacation. So, uh, Steven and I are actually going to Florida in like two weeks. So I'm so excited because I'm like, get me out of here and get me somewhere warm where I can actually like enjoy a vacation. Go to the sunshine. That's great. Yes. I'm, I'm dying to do it. So before we kind of get into it, I have to know out of the, the 30 states that you've been to in the 11 countries, what's like the number one, if you can pick a number one, what's the best oh place God, that you've so been hard. to? I'd probably say Paris. Paris. Yeah. I loved Paris too. Were you there for like a, a couple days or just like a quick trip? So I've gone twice. First time I was with my mom for a long weekend over the holidays. So it was really cold, but it's just, Christmas is such a wonderful time to go. To oh, Paris. I love that. And the second time I went with Dave and we went for a week, my husband, and we went for our five-year anniversary. So that was like our last big, big trip. Wow. That's so cool. See, I, I've been to Paris, but I didn't, I didn't experience it as much as I wish I did. I did a quick kind of day trip, but I got to see it 
in the evening and in the uh the day more so the day in the evening we were leaving and it was really really cool and we're around that kind of i think it would have been maybe october so kind of getting into that cooler month and it was an incredible experience i obviously had to go to the eiffel tower but I, I definitely wish that I did more sightseeing. Like I didn't go to the the Louvre or do anything. I just kind of went to the Eiffel Tower and I think we did like a bus tour and that was pretty much it. <laughs> it's very cool. Well, you have been on my show already once, which was amazing. I had you come on and talk about The Bachelor, or I think it's The Bachelorette, which you and I are actually connected in that way. And that's how we met, which is amazing. So since we're into the first week of Zach's season, I just finished watching it like 10 minutes ago. I I didn't end up watching it Monday night or Tuesday, which was my plan. So today I'm like, oh my God, I need to watch it so that I can just see like, what does Margot think of the first episode? So what are your thoughts so far? Yeah. And let me tell you that I don't normally like a first episode. Normally when I watch, especially The Bachelor, I don't know. I normally watch like two, three episodes in, I get into it, but I decided I'd watch, I'd watch it and watch all the entrances. I actually did like it. I have to admit that going into the season, I wasn't super excited about, not that Zach is like a bad guy by any means. I liked him on Rachel and Gabby's season. Yeah. He's just like a little, he's vanilla. I wanted, I wanted some chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But no, I I liked the episode. I think the girls are definitely going to bring the drama, which is why, you know, we love to watch the bachelor and bachelorette. So yeah, I'm excited about the season. I was actually pleasantly surprised in how much I enjoyed this as well. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you that like the first couple episodes, I, it takes me a little bit to get into the season and I'm very much like a bachelorette kind of girl. Like I prefer the bachelorette versus uh, the bachelor. And that might've been because that's how I started. I think the first season I watched was Hannah Brown. I didn't really watch Clayton or sorry, Colton's (laughs) they're not far off from, they're all the same, but yeah, I, I didn't really watch Colton's season. And then watching this season, I kind of just assumed that, Zach was going to be like Clayton and he was going to be like Colton and like, you know, like Peter, just like kind of all the same, but I was a little bit refreshed and just like, he's more goofy. And, and, and I really like that. Like, I'm like, okay, show me your personality. Like the one thing that just sticks in my head is when Kat came out and he hissed at her. I was like, (laughs) what is happening right now? But I love that because I felt like that's more real and genuine, which I feel like the rest of the bachelors are very like curated and, and trying to make sure that they're saying the right thing and doing the right thing. And I mean, I'm actually pretty excited for this season. Like, I didn't think I was going to be, I I'm going into it disappointed already because Sierra's like, I'm not watching it. So we're not recording. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, if you want to do another bachelor podcast like halfway in or yep. down the road be happy to do it um, okay it's, it's my guilty pleasure I love watching it it's kind of how I relax at the end of the day it's just like watching some trash tv or rom yes. <laughs> I'm the same way and I agree I typically I prefer the female lead just because I like watching their story but I do feel like for on the bachelor the women contestants or whatever you want to call them 
they they do have better drama than the male yes they do the males kind of get like boring like they very quickly I feel like it's exciting like the first couple episodes for the guys and then it kind of like dies away and it's the opposite with the women the first couple episodes with the women you're like okay whatever and then it starts to get real spicy and you're like yes bring me the popcorn I I love that well let's not get too much into the bachelor because that's not our topic today so our topic is all about you and I'm so excited so we're going to talk about event planning. So I kind of want to know just more about you and what you do. So you have an event planning business in Washington. Uh, It's the DC area, right? Yes. So if you can just kind of tell me and then all of our vibers out there, like what do you specialize in and what sort of services do you offer? Yeah. So I started my business in 2011. I own and operate a wedding and event planning business. So I do, I specialize in luxury weddings and events in the DC area. So we, we do, you know, special galas and bar and bat mitzvahs and social corporate events, but I'd say primarily weddings is, is our business is my jam. I love it. I've been doing this gosh, over 10 years now, which is crazy to not think I would ever be a wedding planner growing up. It was not, you know, (laughs) a typical career path, but I came to the DC area for college and I thought I would actually maybe be in politics. Wow. The DC area is known for that. But during school, I realized I'm actually not personally all that political. I, I love following the news and, you know, I like to keep up with everything, but I didn't see myself going in that direction. So I actually studied PR in college okay. and I had some event focused internships. So after school, I looked to that area and I actually worked for a caterer right after college. And so I did sales for the catering company. And then I was also on site at events, but I had some friends getting married and they had, were working with an event planner in New York. I was just giving them advice one day about weddings and events. And my friend said to me, you know, you sound like my wedding planner. Have you ever thought about starting your own business? And so it kind of was a seed that I started thinking about it. And I, I started at first just on the side. I thought I would help a few people out a year and quickly became my full-time job. That's so cool. So it just kind of like blossomed into this thing that you didn't know it was going to be. And I, I know that you had kind of mentioned to me that you've met quite a few politicians. So have you met them through doing event planning or have you met them just from what you were initially going into school for? Yeah. So uh, both. I interviewed for Senator John Edwards, who at one point was a pretty big name in politics in the U.S. Actually, so I entered with him in college, but in the event side of we've had several politicians as guests at events and I actually did a wedding at the Supreme Court. Wow. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And she was awesome and so nice. I can't share about that wedding publicly, but it was like definitely a career highlight. Oh, that's amazing. I'm sure you've had many of those sort of events that you're like, oh, this is so cool. But yeah, of course, you know, there's some things you can share and then some things that you can't, which is completely understandable. So in terms of the services that you offer, so 
it's generally most of the time weddings, but you were saying that you offer, was it galas as well that you were saying? Yeah, galas, especially graduation parties, bar and bat mitzvahs. And we do everything from full service. So everything related to the event to just the event management as well. That would just be your final month and day of. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that there was a difference. So like there's, there's clients that you'll work with from like start to finish and then like clients that you help at the end. Okay. Yep. That's very cool. See, I don't know anything about event planning. I've thought about it many times. I'm like, oh, maybe I would do this, but like never really thought where I would begin. And then when I was really thinking about it, then COVID hit and I'm like, yeah, it's not the time for me. <laughs> and and I kind of want to ask that, uh, you know, being in the business for as long as you've been, did you feel heavily affected when COVID came? Like, did did things really slow down for you? Yes, it did. Absolutely. But going, so going into 2020, I probably only had about six weddings booked for that year. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have a lot of people had to, you know, shift things around. We had to postpone weddings. I had some friends who are planners who had like 30 weddings that canceled or postponed. Wow. So luckily I didn't have as many that I needed to cancel or postpone, but I did end up having two cancel and four postponed to t- both 2021 and then 2022. I had some couples who postponed twice because things, yeah. you know, we thought were going to get better and then they didn't, but definitely because it was already kind of a slow going into the year, it's hoping to get, you know, more events. I do about 10 to 15 a year. Yeah. I was going to ask that now, but I ended up partnering with a venue in DC and offering a micro wedding service when things reopened. So we had about three months where things were completely shut down. Right. And then over the summer of 2020, things started to reopen a little bit, but there were definitely some strict rules and, you know, just people were very cautious. So even if things were really open, I think a lot of people wanted to keep events small wanted to make sure that they didn't spread anything. Sorry. And when you say micro events, so just like a typical event, but really, really heavily downsized. Yes. And in size and in scope, I would say. So normally a wedding we have about, I'd say, I'd say our average guest count is around 150. Okay. And in, in 2020 for our micro weddings, our average was about 15 guests. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's massive. That's like night and day. And, and at the time, or even just transitioning through the last couple of years, because like you said, we had a couple of times where things kind of, you know, restrictions loosened a little bit and then kind of tightened again. Did you have any events or, or weddings where people had to wear masks or kind of do some social distancing? And, and I kind of, how did you navigate that? Cause I feel like that's such a, a different element when it comes to planning that like you have to plan in my mind. And I mean, correct me in my, if I'm wrong, but you would have to just plan so differently because if people are not allowed to be as close together, your whole like floor plan and everything would have to change. Yes. 100%. So we did have either, we had to have tables that were normally 10 people, but we could only put six people at the tables. Definitely. We definitely had weddings where everyone wore masks. I'd say for most of the time, once guests started eating, it was really 
hard for people to then put the mask back on. And yeah, I didn't want to have to be a police officer and, you know, make people put on their masks, but we did have to kind of navigate that with our clients. How much did they want to be, you know, restrictive with their event? Did they want to just have a ceremony and not even offer food? A lot of our oh, events yeah. are, were outside. So that way people could have that fresh air and feel like they weren't necessarily on top of each other. They could spread out a little bit, but since our events, a lot of them were smaller, they, they did ask people to either test or not come if they had, you know, any you know symptoms or if they had any exposures. So they were able to keep it a little bit like looser because they knew everyone is kind of like their quarantine crew. Yep. <laughs> their guests. So at the event, they did, you know, follow some COVID rules, but with family, they were a little bit, you know, more free. And now that things have kind of lessened up, I mean, fingers crossed, I feel like I should knock on some wood (laughs) that things are are getting better in the world of COVID. Have you noticed like a shift in trends or styles of things that like maybe people have carried over from what they were doing during COVID in terms of restrictions, like smaller events, maybe people that are spread out or, or any sort of things like that? Yeah, I definitely would say, I mean, one, I'm still actually getting micro requests for this year. So I'm doing a wedding in August. Now, instead of 15, I think they're going to end up having around 50 guests. But I've gotten several other requests over the course of the year where people are still wanting a smaller event. People are definitely still wanting either all outdoor events, some people, or you know, a portion of their event outdoors. So yeah, I definitely think some of those trends will stay. So now when we talk about outdoor, how, how do you navigate planning an event where whether like you say, it's supposed to be full outdoor or partially outdoor, and then there's weather issues, whether it be snow, rain, whatever it may be like, how, how do you navigate that? Like, are you looking the days leading up to the event to see like how the weather is going to be. Have you experienced anything where like you've had an event and it's been outside and you have to pull people in? That's a million dollar question because we can't (laughs) control the weather. So yes, we always have to have, and especially in the DC area, it rains pretty much all year round. Yeah. So we don't have like a dry season and a wet season where we can predict. Oh no. Um, But I always... I always want to have a plan B like months in advance. So not just days in advance. I normally suggest or require a tent. And there are some companies that offer more flexible cancellation policies. So for example, I had a wedding last spring in April, which April showers bring May flowers. <laughs> yep. Uh, it could have been a disaster. It ended up being a beautiful day. We were able to cancel the tent the week of their wedding when we realized we definitely didn't need it. But it was at a private home the home in itself is had a beautiful yard, but inside wasn't necessarily big enough for their hundred guests that right. were attending. So yeah, just having some good weather backup plans is always a good idea when you're playing outside. Yeah, that, that would be very difficult. That I think that that would be one thing that I'm sure many people struggle with because you can't predict, like you can, you can even look at the weather every single day leading up to an event. And I mean, 
I am sure, you know, it happens in DC. It happens here a lot where like they'll predict that the weather is going to be sunny and then all of a sudden it's snowing, like just so random. You you, you never know. So that's kind of going to tie into my next question is, you know, how do you manage to stay like organized and prioritize tasks when it comes to any sort of event? And I guess, depending on what type of event you're planning, if it's start to finish or nearing the end, what's, what are the timeframes like usually look like of how much time you spend on each event? Is it like a month or more? Oh, that's a great question. So I'd say most of our clients who are in the full planning range book us about a year out. Oh, wow. Sometimes it's closer to six to eight months. And then, but typically about a year, I'd say it's hard for me to, you know, quantize all the hours that go into an event, but it's full year's work of planning for those couples. And then the couples who hire us for the month out, we're typically starting to work with them actually closer to about two, two to three months out is when we'll kind of first check in with them, schedule walk through, we'll do a planning call where we talk about the timeline and then day of it's a really long day. It's usually about a 12 hour work day, sometimes more. And we always are involved with the full, full weekend. So Friday, there's usually a rehearsal. We don't always go to the rehearsal dinner. And we, for some couples, they plan that on their own. And for some couples, we help them with that planning as well. Yep. But there's usually that rehearsal, kind of the practice run of the ceremony and then the full day. And then some couples do even like Sunday next day brunches or kind of a farewell event for their guests. Oh, that's cool. I've never, I I haven't been to enough weddings, so I wouldn't even know. I didn't know that people did that. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of hours and some of our couples were, you know, we get to know them really well. It's fun. So I, I always say that wedding withdrawal is real for me. Like I, I miss (laughs) my couples when we're done planning, but we keep in touch usually on social media, you know, their journey and in their life. Yeah. That's so, that's so nice. I, I guess I never really thought about that because you end up building these like really close relationships where you're getting to know so much, especially when it comes to a wedding and, and then you get to be a part of this like magical moment. It's almost like kind of like TV, like you just want to learn more. You want to know what's going on and things that are going on well. But so I guess I, I never really realized. And I mean, it makes sense that you basically have multiple events on the go all the time. Yes. And so, oh, you asked me about or how how to keep it organized. So for each event, I create a checklist. I'm, I love checklists. I love writing things down and checking them off. And that's really how I stay on track of everything is just making sure, you know, I'm reviewing that regularly. Anything that's important in terms of, you know, to-do list or due dates, I put on the calendar so yeah, I typically am working on around 10 events at the t- at a time, sometimes wow. a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, depending on where I am in the year and which events have had, have taken place already. And do you have a team that works with you? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's not I just am, you. <laughs> I am full-time in my office, but on site I have, a, I bring a team. So, and I love that. I could never do it by myself. There's usually a million you know, things that need to happen and people pulling in me in multiple directions. So it's not something I could do by myself at all. So typically have about two to three event assistants to help day of, and then I also have a breakdown manager 
who comes and he helps me pack everything up because in most of our venues in DC, they're like museums or different like public spaces that we can't really leave things there overnight. So everything has to come in that day and go out that night. Oh, that's um, a lot of work. We're, we're taking care of all of that as well. Yeah, that, that, that would be a lot of work. Yeah. You have to spend so much time setting things up and then not having, you know, the availability of just leaving it and, and cleaning it up the next morning. Yeah. I'm not surprised that you have a teardown manager because I don't know how you would do it any other way. My husband used to come and help me actually, but with really at home, he used to be at home now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he's like, I'm retired. I have kids. I need to stay at home for the kids. <laughs> I love that. So can you tell me if, because I've, I've never planned a wedding and I have not gotten married yet. So what would be sort of the first steps, even if it's not a wedding that someone should take if they're wanting to plan an event and especially if they're wanting to have an event planner? Definitely. I would say one, think about your budget Two, think about your guest count who's going to be invited. And then three, what time of year do you want to have your event? Do you have a specific day in mind or season or month? And then is there like a kind of normal range for like a wedding of people that they bring on for guests? You were saying like 150. Is that pretty standard across the board that most people usually have that or? No, I would say that it it varies. I'd say anywhere between 100 to 200 is what we see in the DC area, but Okay. I mean, honestly, it it really d- depends on you and do you have a big family? Do you have a small family? Do you want to have, you know, everyone? Are you very social? You want to have everyone there that's important to you or do you want to just keep it small? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Okay. Um, and I honestly love the micro wedding trend. If I got married again, my husband and I had a vow renewal or something, <laughs> we would keep it small, I think, because we we had a, about 150 people at our wedding. And I just remember thinking like, I couldn't really talk to everyone. You hear that a lot. Smaller than you can actually spend quality time. So that's my suggestion is, you know, think about what's important to you and what, you know, what's going to make it special. I, I really like that. And I like that you said that. Cause I've heard that from quite a few people that have had like bigger weddings where they're like, everything goes by so fast. And like, I don't know how it is for, you know, the groom, but I've spoken to obviously a lot more brides and they're like, I blacked out and I don't even remember 90% of my wedding. They're like, I don't even know if I went and I said hi to everyone. And I mean, you know, one day eventually I hope that I get married and I'm like, I I've always thought that I've wanted this like big, huge wedding. And I mean, I think it would be really cool, but at the same time, I'm a very, like, I'm, I'm a person that I'd like to have those intimate moments and I like to have those interactions and I wouldn't really want the stress of being like, Oh my God, did I, did I say hi to aunt Joe? And you know what I mean? And like all these different things and like, running through the list of being like, Oh my God, I didn't talk to this person. Whereas I would really more be able to enjoy having those one-on-one conversations and being like, what do you like about my wedding? Is it awesome? Are you having fun? Like, I'm definitely one of those people that when I plan like my own little small get togethers and stuff, like I'm constantly checking up on my friends when we're all together being like, Oh, do you need a drink? Do you need this? Like, I like being like a host or a hostess. And I feel like I'd want to do that in my wedding too 
But if it gets big, yeah, I feel like you don't really, you don't always have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about trends. So I have been seeing a lot of trends surrounding first looks. And I I don't know, and maybe you can speak to it because you've been in the industry for so long. Is this something that's like always been happening and just kind of like resurfacing and becoming a bigger thing? Or is this like something new to, to the wedding culture? And what are your thoughts on like first looks? Like, is that something that you think, you know, is, is cool and different? And is that something that if you were to redo your vows or anything like that, would you implement something like that into yours? Yeah. So the first look, and that's when the the couple see each other for the first time and they take photos together before the ceremony. Yes. It's a trend that's been around, I'd say at least, you know, since I started, if not before, I'd say every year becomes even more popular. I personally did do it with my husband because we're Jewish. So we, we had a Jewish ceremony with a ketubah signing and in our, in our religion, the ketubah signing is actually the marriage. And sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with Jewish culture. So what is that? So it's basically, it's a, it's the legal document that you sign, but it's in Hebrew. It's, and so it's a tradition where once the ketubah, which is the document is signed, you're legally in Judaism, you're legally married. Okay. So you still have the ceremony where you're under the chuppah in our case. And that's when, you know, not or Christian or other religious couples, that's when they see each other maybe for the first time or second time, if they did the first look. Yeah. But since we were doing the ketubah signing anyway, we did the, the first look before that and we did photos prior. And the benefit of doing a first look for any any couple is that you can enjoy the rest of your party. You don't have to then leave for photos later. So if you oh, do yeah. photos before the ceremony, it's often a little bit more relaxed. In, in the DC area, there's some really cool monuments and locations, destinations where you can go and take pictures and then go to your ceremony. O- other cities have you know great photo locations that n- maybe aren't close to where the ceremony is. So they wouldn't have an opportunity to take pictures there unless they did a first look. I never thought of it from the perspective of then you're not having to like, after you do the ceremony, make all of your guests wait for like ever. Cause I've, I've been to a couple weddings where like the, the party went off and they took their photos and it felt like they were gone for like two hours taking yeah, photos. So that's what happens if you wait. And now I, I'm a big proponent of whatever is going to, you know, be meaningful for you. And some, some of our couples really want that moment where they see each other for the first time at the altar. And I totally respect that. But what happens is afterwards you have to have time for photos. So if you have a gap time, maybe you have, you can carve out that time and then go to the party later. But a lot of couples don't have any gap time. They go from one event to the next. Yeah. So they're missing out a huge chunk of their party. And the other thing I, I feel is a, is a good reason to do the first look is a lot of people are nervous that day yes. and seeing each other, I think really calms the nerves and, you know, you just kind of takes the pressure off a little bit, but I still think the ceremony can be really special. Even if you did a first look. 
So my favorite part about watching weddings, whether it's on TV or in person is, and I swear I watched it on a movie. I, I don't remember what movie it was. And they said that they did this and I've, I've done it ever since where I don't look at like anyone, but the groom to see what their reaction is when the bride comes down. And like, I'm waiting for tears. Like, I'm like, is he going to cry? Come on, cry, cry. Like that's my favorite part because like, it makes me so emotional, like seeing like the groom. Cause I feel like guys just like, don't cry as often. So seeing them cry and out of happiness, it's like my favorite, favorite part about a wedding. Do you have anything that like is your favorite part about being a part of that experience, whether it's like the beginning stages of like doing, you know, cake testing or anything like that. Is there something that kind of like sticks out to you? That's your favorite part about being in a wedding. Yeah, I definitely would say the ceremony, witnessing the ceremony is so special. Um, seeing, you know, couples exchange their vows and, um, I love that part. And then also just seeing everything come together. So yeah, it's been, you know, months and months of planning, picking out all the details and then, you know, setting ever after everything's set up, I'll, if I can, I'll try to grab the couple and go in and see the space and just see all the details. Um, And I just love that part. That's so cool. I think that that would be really cool just to be like a part of all of that. Um, Now let's talk budget. So when you're planning any sort of event, um, do you usually like have that initial conversation with whoever's involved and they kind of set forth like a budget? And if, if that's the case, how how do you help the client like kind of maintain that budget throughout their event? Because I know sometimes things can kind of change you know, expectations of what they want versus what somebody can afford sometimes can vary as well. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% have that conversation, you know, initially, you know, what is your budget? If, if they don't already have a breakdown, I recommend creating a breakdown. So that's taking your big budget and dividing it amongst everything you need to spend for the wedding. And that's the easiest way to keep track of all your expenses. And then ideally the best way to keep, you know, your budget. That said, I, I think wedding budgets are kind of like home renovation budgets where, <laughs> you know, your tastes, sometimes your expectation versus reality, sometimes it doesn't match. You know, you could have a subway tile or you can splurge on marble tile. Yep. And if, if you're going to splurge in every single area of your event, you're going to blow your budget. So I try to get couples to figure out what's going to be the most important things, where do they maybe want to splurge And then where can we save what things are not going to be as maybe noticeable or things that they don't care as much about because every little bit does impact the budget. Yeah. And, and in terms of, I guess it's hard because every, every event and every wedding will be different from person to person, but do you find that there's usually like a specific thing that a lot of couples are like, yeah, that's the thing that I'm willing to spend the most money on where if it's like the venue or, or something else. It varies. I'd say that food is typically the biggest expense just because it's your, you know, you're feeding everyone. So your food and your venue sometimes is the same. So some venues provide food as well. And some venues are just the space and you have to bring in catering. Yeah. But your, your per person costs can be pretty high with terms of food and beverages. So those are definitely, and some people really want you know, the best food. And then other people don't care as much about that. 
I'd say it really varies person to person. Some people, you know, want to splurge on a live band and other people want to DJ. I love both. I think they're great energy. And as long as there's good music, there's going to be dancing. Yes. (laughs) I I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to actually my most recent episode where I have a friend that has now became DJ and a wedding officiant over the last couple of years and, and kind of getting to hear from like his perspective too, just like how he manages that was very cool. And you know, how he gets people all pumped up on the dance floor. So like, I'm very much a a DJ, do a DJ. (laughs) I I did listen. He sounded great. I wish I could bring him to DC. He sounded awesome. (laughs) He is a lot of fun. He's got one of those voices like Steven does too, where it's like these deep voices where you can really like, I don't know, you've got like a voice for like radio and like performances. And when I found out he was DJing and then becoming a wedding officiant, I'm like, wow, this couldn't have been like a more perfect thing for you. You've got the voice for it. So that's very, very cool. Now let's talk kind of again about trends. So as the years have gone on and you being in this industry, uh, how do you kind of keep up with just industry trends, news, you know, things that are constantly changing? Yeah, I definitely, I'd say social media is a big way to follow it. I follow other blogs, Martha Stewart weddings and different wedding publications. But I just, I personally try to follow the trends, but not necessarily plan based on the trends, you know, want to plan based on people's personality and, you know, what's going to be meaningful. I'm definitely someone who like, I'm a classic girl. So is, is it going to be trendy that I'm going to love now? Or am I going to love it in 10 years as well? Yeah, that's true. And things change so much. Like, I mean, my mom is the first one to be like, oh, you know, trends always come back. And I'm like, you're crazy. But now as I'm getting older, I I see that pattern. But yeah, it's one of those things that you're like, is this going to last or is it going to, you know, pass and and be there and and gone? And that's why I wondered about the first looks, because I'm like, I had never really heard about it until the last couple of years. So I'm like, is this something new? But obviously you kind of debunked that and told me that it it's not that new. Now, what about stress? Like when, when you're, because you're doing 10 events at a time and you do have uh, a group of people behind you, but do you ever feel stressed or under pressure when you're planning any of these events and like, how, how do you manage that? And I I don't know if you're the type of person that you, I'm sure you probably don't want your clients to see that you're stressed. So like, how do you kind of manage that and, and try to not, not let that bleed out into your clients? Yeah. I'd say that I, one of my strengths is really just being calm under pressure. I think that honestly, I, I do get stressed, but the stress kind of fuels me. It's weird. I love that. that. Yeah. I thrive (laughs) under pressure. Something's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. I've seen it all. I've been yelled at. I've (laughs) had, I had an event where we had to, the ice didn't come. So I had to send an assistant to get like 400 pounds of ice. Oh my God. Yeah. So we've, we've done it all. And at the end of the day, I just know that we're going to handle it. So it might be stressful, but just like think, what can we do? I try to be proactive, try to anticipate what we're going to need. And when things do come up, I try to be calm because if I'm stressed out, I'm, I feel like I'm a bit big en- on energy. Yep. People are going to 
feel my energy and they're going to get stressed out. And the last thing I want is for my clients to be stressed out. So I will take it all in. I will sometimes not sleep, you know, before an event because I'll be really like worried about everything, (laughs) but I, I power through. And then, and then do you find that like when your clients are stressed too, like that kind of bleeds into you too, because you take on that stress, like it might not even be anything related to something that's in your control, but if they're just like panicking about, about their event, uh, I'm sure that's probably hard to, to not take on. Yes. A little bit though. I feel like something that I've just learned through this is like not taking things personally and, you know, things are going to come up, but at the end of the day, we're hired to make sure that we get things done as gracefully as we can. Yeah. And you know, it's human. So we might have traffic or we may have, you know, people getting sick and we just have to figure it out and how to mess best move forward. And luckily I'm usually able to come up with solutions to, you know, meet our challenges. I think I need you in my day-to-day life just to like help me, you know, move through that stress. Cause like, that was one of the first things that I noticed uh, when we spoke last time, even just like about the bachelor, the bachelorette, you're just so calm and composed and I'm envious. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I spiral out of the control and, and maybe you do too, but like you hide it very well. <laughs> yeah. No problem. I have a really random question to ask you that this is something that I've always envisioned that I've wanted at my wedding. And I don't know if it's even a real thing, but you know, like how some like old school traditional weddings, like people throw rice, like when the, after like the wedding or whatever, I've always pictured that I want like these giant, like bazooka guns that like shoot out glitter. Is this a thing? (laughs) Yeah. Confetti cannons. Yes. Okay. So it's a thing, but, but confetti, but like glitter glitter is, have you seen anything like that before? So we have done, we've done more confetti, less glitter, (laughs) but I actually at new year's we did glittery confetti for new year's. The, the challenges that you face are sometimes venue restrictions. Some venues do not allow because it's going to cause a big mess and they don't want to clean it up or they may allow it as long as you pay for them to clean it up or have someone there to clean it up. If, if you're outdoors, I always suggest biodegradable Yep, confetti or glitter, but we, it does make for great photos. I've also, I've seen like ribbon ones as a send off. Oh, that's so cute. There's some really cute send offs. Have you, have you uh, seen any really cool, like, cars or, or ways that people kind of exit out because I think that that's very cool. Yeah. Actually had a couple ones who had their Vespa waiting for them. So they rode off on a Vespa. I love love that. (laughs) That's so cute. Yeah. Actually my, uh, almost basically sister-in-law, uh, she had, like an old school car. I don't even remember what it was, but like, that was really cool. And I'd never really seen anything like that. And I was like, Whoa, that's very cool. But I I'm sure people are doing all sorts of different things when they're exiting out. Right. <laughs> yes. Actually speaking of one other exit story, I had a couple once who really wanted a horse drawn carriage. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. So we did it. And their venue was this beautiful mansion out in D it was in DC, but it was not in the city. Yep. However, as a part of the requirement to like, I looked into what, 
how do we get this horse-drawn carriage to take them from the venue to the hotel? Yep. We had to have a car drive behind the carriage because they had to go on a highway. Oh, wow. Splashers on. So one of my assistants, I asked her if she would do that while we were cleaning up at the venue. And she said, sure, no problem. But it took her about an hour to go what would have been a five-minute drive (gasps) because they had to go so slow. Wow, that's crazy. And they couldn't go like on back roads. It had to be on the highway. No, because there were no back roads to get from their hotel to the venue. It was just all this big highway. Oh, that's crazy. But that's very cool. Like, was it like something you'd see like in Cinderella, like one of those like old school looking things? It was a very Cinderella inspired carriage. I love that. That's so cool. Well, I do have a quick game of this or that. So before we close out, I just wanted to ask, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or anything that I didn't get a chance to ask you about? I don't think so. I feel like this has been really fun though. This has been super fun. Now, before we do that, am I allowed to ask anything about the Martha Stewart publication? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I had a couple weddings in the Martha Stewart. It was online. So you can actually go to my website and you can link to see I had a wedding there and then I had a styled shoot, took some images from the shoot and posted it. That's so, so cool. The who, yeah. The couple who are featured, they got married in DC at the St. Regis in DC and the bride actually is Chinese. So we incorporated some of her Asian culture and actually fitting that you asked about it because it's a Chinese Lunar New Year this week. And they just, it was beautiful. We had chinoiserie vases with all these beautiful red flowers. Red is a big auspicious color. And she had a gorgeous, beautiful like ball gown for the ceremony and then changed into this like hot red dress for reception. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It was such a, such a cool wedding, really sweet couple. And yeah. And then how did it come to be? Like, was it just something that they had seen, like stuff that you'd posted about the wedding and they wanted to feature you? The photographer actually submitted it. So you can submit to publications. If you think that you have a unique wedding, I'd say that typically your weddings have to have some kind of standout element to get featured, especially Martha Stewart. But it was for sure a goal of mine at some point to to get that just because I love being able to share my work. And so, you know, what, what, what better way to do it than to share it on Martha Stewart? Well, congratulations. Cause I thought that, that was so cool when I learned that. And then you also kind of mentioned that you had an opportunity where you actually got to meet Martha Stewart at one point as well, right? Yes. So I went to a party. This was about eight years ago in New York. It was through the knot, which is a magazine and it was the knot gala. So I went I don't know if she still attends the events. I haven't actually gone to an event recently, but she was there. I got to take a selfie with her. That's so cool. I feel like that's definitely one for like the books that like you should just be so proud that you had that opportunity. You got to meet her, but not only that, that you got to be featured in in a Martha Stewart publication because I think that that's incredible. So kudos to you. Thank you. No problem. Well, then since that was kind of my last question that I wanted to slide in there, let's play a little quick this or that a game that I kind of tried to center around like events and and weddings just to kind of see what your thoughts are. So I'll get started. Fall or spring event? 
Fall. Winter or summer event? Summer. Last minute cancellation or weather change? Weather change. Lost groom or drunk groom? (laughs) Oh, no. Drunk groom. (laughs) Event in the city or event in the country? City. Wedding or birthday party? Wedding. Balloon arch or floral arrangement? Floral arrangement. Theme or no theme? No theme. Planned or like a free reign of getting to plan it yourself? Planned. Event on a holiday or not on a holiday? Not on a holiday. Do you have those come up often where people are trying to plan uh, like a wedding or an event on a holiday? Sometimes. Usually it's not necessarily on the holiday, but the weekend before or after. And does that affect the cost at all? I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, that sometimes if you book on a holiday, that it can be cheaper. It's actually typically more expensive. Really? Because of the labor. Vendors don't really want to work on holidays, so they charge more. Yeah. No one wants to work on a holiday and I've had friends and I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it, but I know that it it can be a hiccup because a lot of people can't attend if it's on a holiday, depending on what the holiday is, they might do stuff with their family. Right. Right. Well, that was all for my questions. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and I might take you up on that offer and maybe, maybe sporadically in like two weeks or something, we'll plan to have you come and do a little recap of the bachelor. Cause I feel like I, I was enjoying doing it with Sierra when it was weekly, but then once bachelor in paradise came, her and I were like, it's not happening like two times a week trying to plan that and record. It was just too much. And then I kind of needed a breather. So <laughs> I was glad that I stopped, but yeah, maybe we can connect again and do another recap. Cause I'd love that. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Margo for coming on and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun you know, opportunity and a pleasure to chat with you and an honor to be asked. So thank you. Bye, Vibers. Before I end this episode with the quote of the day, I just have to say that when I recorded this episode, I had no idea that I was going to be engaged in two weeks in Florida. So if that's not manifestation, I don't know what is. Now let's leave it off with this. There are dreamers and their planners. The planners make their dreams come true.